Ryan Carson is the CEO and founder of Treehouse, an online school that teaches software development, design, and strategy. Ryan, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. You started working on Treehouse in 2011. What did the online software education space look like back then? It was almost non-existent. <laughs> so, um, you know, the big players were Linda. Um, they were uh, going strong. They, had, um, you know, Linda Weinman had started the business a long time ago. I think I think something like '99 or something. So, they've been around for a long time, and 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 that was basically it. I mean, there was a couple folks. Plural Site existed at that time too, and, and they're great. I think they started two years before us. Um, that was pretty much it. And there's, uh, of course, YouTube, which is uh, a bunch of random things, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. So um, throughout this week, we've covered several in-person boot camps. It's kind of been a coding boot camp, online education week. Um, Treehouse is an entirely online platform. How does the Treehouse education process compare to the process of a coding boot camp? Well, um, a Cody boot camp is clearly a dedicated experience that you have to go to and you also have to pay a lot of money for, you know, um, a typical boot camp is anywhere between eight to $15,000, you know, typically for three months of, of time. And, um, so the first big differentiator is cost. Um, you know, Treehouse is only $25 a month. Now the big difference is that you have to be a motivated person by default. Um, on Treehouse, you know, we're, we're not there in person, you know, holding you accountable. We're, we're, we don't have someone to partner program with. Um, so, so it just takes more discipline and, 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 and that's fine. And we have a, a lot of successful students that are able to do that. So big difference here is price. Second is that there's less hand holding on Treehouse. Um, so, we are expecting you to be able to push yourself, um, which is good and bad. Um, you know, we're getting ready to introduce a new experience, which is a higher touch experience um, that will cost more money, but it will still be significantly cheaper than a boot camp. Mm. Um, so we're really excited about that. Interesting. So we've heard uh, from a lot of people that have gone to coding boot camps or uh, who have. Uh, organized coding boot camps that community is really integral to learning does treehouse foster any any sort of community i mean you mentioned you can't you can't really do well at least you don't enforce any type of pair programming but is there any community aspect to treehouse yeah there is we we have a traditional forum and that works for some people uh and other people it's not enough so we find that for folks who are highly motivated, the forum is enough, and they kind of create their own community. Um, but for a lot of people, it's not quite enough to really get them through, and hence being this new experience that we're going to offer that will have higher touch um, and and a more direct uh, community. Can you describe that in more detail? Yeah, sure. So uh, in essence, it is a degree program. So really what it is, is something that is a 12 month program, uh, that will cost around $200 a month. And, uh, for that you will get video mentorship and you will also have a, a, a cohort of students that you're learning with and you'll be required 
to do uh, 12 coding projects and all those will be code reviewed um, and by human, <laughs> not a machine. And then at the end, there'll be a proctored final exam that will be really tough to pass if you don't really know the material. Um, so it's it's a brand new experience. That's really cool. So these these projects that you have in this uh, this premium program, uh, this higher touch program, are these projects with a lot of creative latitude? Um, some that you know a good example would would be it depends what what the degree is, right? You know, so if it's in front end web development, you'll mostly be creating websites, right? And those websites will have to conform to a rubric you know so what we'll say is you know to, to pass you have to do xyz um, and it'll be a very clear rubric um, but a lot of those things will you will have a lot of freedom uh, you know hey the page can be designed however you want it can be uh, built in a lot of different ways but you know it has to pass certain tests and it also has to be built in a certain way you know an accessible way in a um, you know with clean semantic um, uh, clean semantics, things like that. So, yeah, there'll be there'll be a lot of freedom. I mean, you have to code from scratch, right? We're, we're not gonna. Um, it, it'll it, it'll have to come from you. So, and that's what we're learning. You, you can't become a developer unless you sit down, and you code a lot. It's just simple as that. So, what are the typical types of students that join Treehouse? Like what kind? Typical what, students. Yeah, um, it's great. We have a hugely diverse student base. So, uh, and and that's why I'm so excited about what we do. So uh, there is no typical student, really. Mm. Um, You know, we have everyone from, you know, folks in high school um, all the way up to people who are in their 60s. Um, You know, from every, um, every, every nation and every color. But I would say... The majority, though, are probably people who are um, that feel underemployed. You know, f- folks who know that they could do better. Um, a lot of them have a degree of some sort. You know, whether it's in audio engineering or or accountancy or or sociology, and, and they're they feel underemployed and and they're not doing meaningful work in their minds. And so, they see Treehouse as a wonderful way to change their life and and find a, a career that they actually can be passionate about that also happens to pay really well. And what is the the success rate of people? So, like, you know, this has kind of been a, a typical theme is you, uh, the people that join these boot camps or, or start doing these online education for coding things, they are typically people who feel like they're underemployed. They have a degree of some kind. They have some sort of um, intellectual uh, level, and yet they're their um their employment doesn't really doesn't really match up to that what is the um what is the success rate of people who join from that point of view and um and end up actually uh getting to an employability level within coding um unfortunately we don't have good data on that yet mm. so the 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 reality is is that we haven't had a clear program that was absolutely sold to you to take you from this point to a job. We have a lot of success with people um, that have done that. Um, but I think the degree program will be the first time that we have a specific program that we can measure, that we can report uh, success rates on. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now you have students from every 
walk of life taking treehouse. And so using the success rate of that isn't, isn't valuable because you, you have students like my mom who's, who's using treehouse. She has no intention of getting a job. Right. Um, and then I'll, and then you have students that do. So it's hard to define what attrition is with this multivariate, uh, audience. It is. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, a lot of casual students who would just want to brush up or want to be exposed to it. And then we have some students who are using it to, to get a job. So I'll be able to give you great data once we launch that program. <laughs> sure. and- so, so, but among the people who, I mean, what is your sense? Like among the people who are trying to get jobs, who are trying to improve to the level where they can get a job, what are the bottlenecks that prevent them from achieving their goals? The, the, the main thing is, is, um, struggles they have with their personality. So we find technically we're, we're able to get anyone ready to code as long as they have average intelligence. Um, you know, I'm a developer, you know, I have a computer science degree. I'm not wildly intelligent. Um, you know, I've probably average IQ and, and there's no need to have a high IQ when it comes to programming, but you do need personal skills and, uh, you know, you can think of them as work skills. And, um, I think, uh, those are things like, Hey, can you work in a group? You know, um, silly things like uh, how's your personal hygiene? Um, you know, are you, are you friendly? Are you nice to work with? And, and we can teach some of those, some of those fundamentals, but when it comes down to executing on that, you, you can't give someone a degree in that. Mm. So I think in the end, what we can do is, is prep them for their career. So what we can say is, okay, you've, you're technically ready to be a developer, but now you need to be ready to work in the workplace. So let's take some courses on that. You know, here's some workplace 101 um, type things. And, uh, and some people just don't know those things. You know, no one's ever said, hey, when you send emails, here's an effective way to write. Right. You know, um, when you're in meetings, here is an effective way to behave. Um, and sadly, some people never get taught those things. So we can help with that and increase success rate. Um, but it, it's not realistic for any school to bear a, to promise that you will get a job because uh, a lot of it is tied to the person themselves. Um, so it's, it's really about long-term success. Can this person be successful as a developer long-term? That is going to depend on their willingness to adapt their personal behavior. Um, which most people are. What, so, what about but, imposter syndrome? Uh, that well, everybody has that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, including me. I mean, you know, as a CEO, you, you kind of look around, and you think, "Wow, you know, do I really know enough to do this <laughs> job?" And um, and I, every good developer I've ever talked to, including all of our you know highly professional developers here at Treehouse, they they have imposter syndrome now. So I think we try to tell our students that that you will feel imposter syndrome and it is absolutely normal. Um, and in fact, if you don't feel something's probably wrong. <laughs> right. You're probably arrogant. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> or, or naive. Or, or naive. Both. Right. That's true. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'd love to get an idea for how you see web development. Um, web development's changed a lot, even just in the four years since you started working on Treehouse. Um, where was web development when you began and, and where are we now and where are we going? Wow. It's just been an explosion, um, of, of innovation. Um, 
you know, when, when I started, I graduated in the year 2000, I was a PHP developer for a long time. Um, you know, rails didn't even exist. Um, you know, any of the JavaScript, you know, full stack, um, methodologies didn't even exist. I mean, it's just Ajax hadn't even been invented. Um, and, you know, I remember Jesse James Garrett came out with this idea and, and called it Ajax, you know, and, and it was mind blowing, you know, how we can, you can update the content on a page without it refreshing. This is crazy, crazy talk. Right. So I think it's, it literally feels like we've gone through, we were cave people before. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. We're, it's amazing. And I think it makes me so excited for the future. We, you know, we have, and that's why I love being a part of Treehouse because we're able to take people and keep them up to date. And, um, it can feel overwhelming. Like, Oh now, okay. I need to know the mean stack. Uh, that wasn't even a thing a while ago. How do I do that? Um, okay. We can teach you that, right? All you need to do is, is devote a little bit of time and, and you know, over lunches, for instance, is a great way to keep up to date with Treehouse. And so I think, um, the see, seeing the explosion of mobile is a remarkable shift. Um, you know, it, it, we, we all used to think that mobile was going to be HTML5. Um, you know, Facebook made a huge bet on that and had to U-turn the whole company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think we all did. And, and we all kind of hoped, actually, that you could build on the same stack for mobile and and, and web. And it, I'm, I'm actually sad that hasn't happened, but we've still seen an explosion. Well, I mean, you know, great. speaking of Facebook, you know, the their trials and tribulations with, with HTML5 led was you know directly led to uh to to the react react and and the technologies True. around it which arguably is you know what the future looks like more than anything right so in a way it's it's worked out very well and and actually it's exciting i mean now we have a whole new genre of developers you know android developers ios developers and that's actually a great thing um and i think it will increase innovation so um you know, I do worry about the the walled garden. You know, it, it's it's getting bigger and bigger, and and we'll see what what happens with that. But um, I, I I trust it's going up well, and it and it's good for all of us being able to access these technologies um, as developers and learn new and skill up and do new things is exciting. Is is it a great thing though? Because like I feel like from a productivity standpoint, companies have to develop like the web app and then the iOS app and then the Android app. And it's like, it seems like three times the work that should be done. Uh, it is. It's, it's probably more than three times because <laughs> you have to coordinate everything and, you know, develop your roadmap in conjunction. And this is happening at Treehouse. You know, um, we have an iPad app and uh, now, now we need to make it a universal app. And we also want, more iPhone-like experiences, but that means we need to build them in Android. And, it's, and the reality is, you know, we just launched a new iPhone app, which is really fun. It's a review app. So, you know, if you're sitting in, in the line at the grocery store, we want to give you a way to to stay on top of your learning without having to learn something new, oh, right? Okay. So, so the idea is, hey, do some review real quick, get an endorphin hit, you know, know that you're moving your, your education forward without having to learn something new, but I love that. We built an iPhone. Thanks. It's fun. I mean, I, I've actually used it. It's it's we're A/B testing it right now to see if it is effective for our students or not. Um, and, and I think it will be. But that means we got to build it in Android now. So it's it, it, it is it's frustrating from a business perspective. But um, I guess we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, oh well, 
Got to do what we got to do. Let's talk about the the uh, the culture at Treehouse itself. Um, many of the shows that we do uh, on on Software Engineering Daily are more about um, the workplace rather than uh, the the learning learning to code uh, aspect. So we can definitely talk some about that. Um, the culture at Treehouse is really interesting. So you have no managers, is that correct? Uh, that is not correct okay. anymore. <laughs> so you shifted to managers. So, yeah. So let me tell that story. Yeah, um, please. So so we uh, I started the, the company, grew it traditionally with management um, as best I knew. You know, got to about fifty-ish uh, people, and started hearing a lot of about a lot of the problems that badly managed companies traditionally hear about. You know, a lot of back chat, a lot of um, a lot of uh, it, you know unhealthy behavior. Um, not because people are bad, but because the process is was set up badly, and so uh, you know, my blog is called the Naive Optimist. And so, uh, naively and optimistically, I thought, well, why do you need managers? Let's just remove them. Um, and so removed them and asked all those people to just go back in a front, you know, frontline work. So all these people were promoted from within anyway. So they just went to back being the teachers or developers or whatever. And, uh, it worked pretty well for a while. We actually created a system that was pretty mind blowing. You know, we built this system where, you could propose projects. This was an internal Rails app. Um, it was called, uh, boy, I think it was called Convoy. Um, no, it was called Flow. So Flow was an internal app, and you would propose a project, with give it a name. You would explain what it was supposed to do. You would add the, the roles that you needed to fill. So, you know, developer, designer, um, video producer, teacher, for instance, and then you'd hit submit, and then the whole company would get an email every day with us with a a, a a list of all the projects that have been submitted and then you as an you know as a person the company could literally join any project you wanted and then as soon as the project got enough people then the project owner can start it and then it's just up to the team to finish it and and do a good job and it's a great idea and actually we saw a ton of innovation and the company did pretty well you know, we had amazing things happening. It was kind of mind-blowing because you look from the outside and think, how is this company operating? You know, what? This is madness. There's no coordination. There's, you know, no guidance. Um, and it worked. You know, we produced a ton of content. We shipped a lot of features. We grew our revenue a ton. Um, and I think if we would have stayed around 50 people, it would have been great. Um, but we grew. And so we got to about 75 people and, and, and we just started hitting the wall on a lot of things. So humans physically cannot coordinate uh, after a certain size, it becomes impossible. And, and the level of of abstraction you need for coordination is just too much at that point. So you, you have, if something large at the company needs to happen, you know, need to change your price, need to introduce a new product, something that affects the whole company. It's very hard to get buy-in and coordination across a group of individuals. Um, you need a structure. So Tony Hsieh at Zappos has recently instituted holacracy, which I'm sure you've heard about. It's kind of a similar... Yeah, he's, no he's a madman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. Like, I've been, I've been following that closely 
Um, I think it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, I think so too. Um, But what, I mean, I'm curious, what's, what, why do you think it'll be a disaster? Just from your personal experience? Just from my experience. I mean, it's wonderful for a certain stage of a company. It's terrible for a different stage company. And, and it just introduces so much apprehension. You know, people, um, the the naive part was believing everybody wanted to behave like an owner. Um, and a lot of people do not, and that's totally fine. Right. That's actually normal. And, and so uh, actually when you allow people to fit into roles that they feel comfortable and they do better. So we were saying everyone's, everyone's a manager, right? They manage themselves. Um, but it, it meant that no one was taken care of. You know, no one was held accountable. No one was, was supported. It's like a tragedy of the commons, right? Yeah. It, yeah, it is. And I think I'm very proud of our team for what they did during our flat structure, but I, I'm very glad we're done with it. Um, because now that we have good management, and, and the reason why I know it's good management is because we're actually training people. And this was a fundamental mistake I made. So I had, like most people, had been managed badly when I was a developer. I had, you know, bosses that really just didn't seem to understand anything. They were actually bad people manager. It was just bad. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, that means management is bad. But that's obviously, um, it, was a correla- it was a correlation, not a causal experience. And so now what we do is we use a, a, a program called Manager Tools, and it's free. So just Google Manager Tools, and it's a, it's a podcast, and uh, it's wonderful. Um, so all of our managers go through this uh, program they have called Manager Tools Basics, and it's a free podcast, so you literally just listen to it. Mm. And if you, want, if you want to pay them, you can. You get sort of extra downloads and, and, and stuff. Um, but it takes you through the basics. You know, this is how you actually manage people effectively, and, and it's what most people are not doing. So the core is you have one-on-ones, but what are one-on-ones? What is the purpose and how, what is the, how do they actually work? Number two, you give people feedback. And this is the major problem with most managers is that they are too scared to give people feedback. So they wait till their annual review and then they just kill somebody. Um, and uh, the, so the feedback is very simple. You're supposed to give it to people two, three times a week. And it's a 30-second exchange. And you literally just say, um, you know, uh, hey, Jeffrey, can I give you some feedback? And hopefully you'll say yes. And if you say no, you say, no problem, I'll come back later. Uh, so say you say yes, and I say, when you exhibit behavior A, something that I can see with a camera, right? So when you smile during the podcast, here's what happens. It makes the guest feel comfortable. Can you keep doing that? <laughs> and uh, and it's, a, it's a behavior you can replicate. Right. Whereas if I say, Hey Jeffrey, when, when you give a good podcast, you know, it, it's great for your listeners. You can't replicate that. Right. And it's meaningless Mm. feedback. Right. But, but so, so just the actionable feedback. Yeah. It's, it's on a specific behavior. You give it all the time. So like 80% of your feedback is supposed to be positive because the the reality is 80% of what people doing is usually positive. Mm -hmm. Right unless you have idiots mm-hmm. working for you and you should get rid of them anyway. And so, and then the negative feedback is the same format. So, Hey Jeffrey, can I give you some, some feedback? You'd say, sure, Ross. Um, I'd say when, when you frown during an interview, it makes your guests uncomfortable. 
um, and they, they perform uh, worse. Can you work on that? Right. And you're not you're not meant to say, well, let me explain why I did that, and and here's what happened. You just go sure. Um, and so, but because you're getting these constant bits of feedback, you become used to it, and and actually most of it is positive. So you you instead of recoiling when I say, can you give you some feedback, you actually kind of open up. Um, and this is not done. You know, this is why most management is bad. Um, and then the, the third thing is is coaching people how to how to actually help people be better in their careers. Um, and then the, the, the fourth is delegation, how to actually delegate properly. So these are, these are, you know, management one-on-one and I didn't know these things. So now I know them and I train my whole team on them. So I'm kind of interested in the, the delegation aspect. Um, so like, for example, just even from this podcast, um, you know, I started off doing everything myself and then my friend joined as, producer of the podcast and then I started delegating things to him and uh now we're kind of growing so we're starting to delegate things like audio editing to like contractors and so this is like a very you know small level of of delegation but it's already like complex it's very difficult what do you have any like tips for how people can can delegate better maybe there's a software manager listening um, I, I would, you know, it, I, first I would just listen to the, to the delegation podcast on manager tools. It mm. gives you probably everything you need to know and they'll say it better than me. Um, but one of the essentials is that, is that as a manager, you have to know, and, and this is a management relationship versus, uh, you know, delegating to folks that, that aren't, um, on your payroll is different. That's just a contractor role and you, you kind of expect them to do what you're paying them to do. Right. But an employee will be looking to you for, for priorities, right? So the first thing a manager needs to do is be very clear about the top three things that you should be working on. And then, um, delegation is seen as, as, um, you can think of them as large balls. So like a, a a big, um, you know, rubber, big ball, that's huge. And then you have basketballs and you have tennis balls. Um, so when, most people are delegating. They have a certain number of balls that they can hold um, without dropping them. Um, now, as a manager, when you delegate downwards, a ball to you that's a basketball will become a huge, you know, uh, bouncy ball to them. This because it's something that a manager is passing down. It's a bigger task. You know, they feel um, more pressure to do it right. And so they're going to have to what's called delegate to the floor, which means they start dropping some of the tennis balls. And you, you, what, as a manager, you have to accept is those things will get dropped. Right. But because they're tennis balls and not big balls, it's okay. And uh, so it's called delegating to the floor. Hmm. And what, what, what basically happens is slowly a lot of things get delegated to the floor and that's because they don't actually matter. And that's actually good. <laughs> you know, a lot of people end up doing stuff, uh, building a report or doing something that they su- think supposedly matters, but, but actually no one's looking at the report. Uh, no one cares. And it's just work for nothing. So by delegating continually, you actually flush out these useless activities and they all get delegated to the floor, which is actually good. Mm. Treehouse is named that because the name, as you said uh, in a quote, reflects the wonder of learning as a child. So I guess this image of a treehouse evokes this this childish nature. Is there something about this wonder, this uh, wonder of learning, 
this way that children learn, do we tend to lose this as we grow older? Yeah, I think we get overly serious. <laughs> and, uh, um, and a lot of the fun goes out of learning. So I, I think what we're trying to do is make Treehouse delightful. Um, so there's kind of moments when you laugh to yourself or you smile or you feel good. Um, and uh, that, that's our, our goal to make it something you actually enjoy doing. And, uh, and I, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I mean, I, I, I learn on Treehouse all the time. You know, I have over 12,000 points and um, right now I, I'm going through the front end developer, uh, front, sorry, the front end, uh, the full stack JavaScript development track right now. Hmm. And so I'm actually learning JavaScript, which I've, I've never learned, um, before. And, and, and I'm experiencing it's, it's actually, it's actually fun to earn points. It's one of those things that it seems maybe childish, but it's because it's actually fun and it's nice. What's your perspective on that? Are we moving to a all JavaScript world? It seems like it, <laughs> but you know, it, it give us five years and it'll be yeah. something else. So I, it, you know, we all thought it was, you know, we all thought it was Ruby. We all thought it was Ruby and rails. Right. And that, Nope, not that anymore. No, okay. It's, <laughs> it's the mean stack. Okay. Yay. No, no. In five years, there'll be something different, which is fine. Um, so yeah, no, probably won't be. <laughs> and and how does the, how does the treehouse curriculum keep up with the rapid changes? It's because we hire teachers that are professional developers. Uh, um, so every developer we every teacher we hire is a developer, and they also just happen to be really good at teaching. Um, okay. so yeah, so they're they're constantly in the community. They're writing code. You know, they're committing to open source projects. So they're just in the community. So they hear about these things. You know, right when they happen. Um, and we also are connected directly to, to employers. So the idea is that we know what employers need, uh, which is why we're going to add Java and .NET. You know, we, we traditionally, we, we don't, we write Java obviously for an Android apps, but internally we don't write any Java, mm-hmm. you know, seen as kind of enterprisey old school. But the reality is that's where all the jobs are. Um, there's millions and millions of open jobs right now in Java and .NET you know, C sharp and it's as, as kind of old school and not cool as that seems to all of us folks who are, you know, using cutting edge open source stuff. The reality is that's how people change their lives by getting those jobs. Hmm. So, so the, the new jobs that are being created, are they Java or .NET or JavaScript? Like what, what or rails? Like what is the proportion proportionally? I mean, obviously there are new jobs. JavaScript. In, JavaScript. Okay. Yeah. JavaScript right now is where the new cutting edge jobs are being created. Uh, but, but I would say also uh, data science. You know, there's a huge explosion in data science, which is really, you know, Python and, and statistics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is also a very exciting field as well that's growing. Are you teaching that? In its basic form, we are. And, and we're going to do a, a full uh, degree on that. Very cool. How how do you um do you do you have any ideas for for what the curriculum is going to look like? What the data science curriculum will look like? Um, we have a very rough idea. Not a good enough idea. I could sure uh, exp- tell you right now what it is, but we have a rough and 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 also there's different levels of of data science. You know, you have someone who's a manager or a, a marketer. They need to have a basic understanding. Of, of data science and manipulate data, but they don't need to be a data scientist, right? So there's going to be different flavors of this. Um, and uh, I think most people in the world will, will need a 
cursory beginner understanding of data science and statistics to be effective. And, and then the folks who are true data scientists will, will need something much deeper. Yeah, yeah. This data, the statistics stuff seems like a very safe bet to teach people. Um, and then there's all this stuff on the fringe like data engineering um, where you're actually building the data pipeline. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, so the online population overall is is going to grow dramatically in the next decade. You have these developing countries that are coming online, and many of these people are going to want to code. Um, is this? Do you see this as an opportunity? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to to help these people. Um, to say, listen, going and getting a four year degree or a two year degree makes zero sense for you, <sighs> um, and so we want to give you an effective. Uh, opportunity that you can afford. So you bet. I mean, we absolutely want to help everyone in the world who wants to um, learn a technical skill and move towards a job. How how is the workforce going to change as we get all these new people online and, you know, certainly a large proportion of them will learn to develop? Yeah. I mean, it's a fundamental shift. Um, and, you know, if you if you look at what's happened in almost every industry, uh, it it is really what Andreessen, you know, quoted as software eating the world. We're seeing every industry get eaten by software. And, you know, the automobile industry is a great example. You know, you have in 1977, the first car shipped with software in it. Um, and I think it was around 50,000 50, lines of code. You know, you have a Tesla Model S with 100 million lines of code. <laughs> And now uh, can't even drive itself, and, and and this is happening in every single industry. You look at uh, the finance industry; you used to have um, you, an investment advisor. Now you have Betterment or Wealthfront. You just don't need people anymore. You have software that's that's performing the job. And so, if people can't write the software and be ahead of the curve, they're absolutely going to get left behind. Just so- like auto workers got left behind, they're still thousands and thousands of jobs but the issue is they're just in a different market so so i'm totally with you on that but one thing i've been thinking about lately is like is software engineer this unique role where it's really hard for an economy to have diminishing returns for an additional software engineer like like is there an upper bound on the number of software engineers that our economy can support absolutely not because every single thing that you're going to touch in the future will have software everything Your razor will have software in it. I mean, your your toothbrush will have software in it. I mean, there there is nothing that technology won't touch, and yeah. so it'll actually it'll actually go up exponentially to the point where we're never going to catch up. Um, yeah. You know, and at some point in the very far future, software will write itself, right? Yeah. But that's a long way away. You know, it's it, it very unlikely is within our lifetime. Um, and again, even if that does happen, which is, you know, an interesting scenario, which I, I believe it is inevitable, um, still humans that are in, on the front of that and uh, on top of that are going to be better off. So right? I guess the, so, the way to make this ar- this argument without sounding heretical to labor economists is, you, I guess, there is some limit to the amount of software that needs to be written, but the that limit is... Uh, exceeds the population of people that will ever become software engineers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I- exactly. Interesting. Good way to put it. Well done. 
Um, so, okay, to, to begin to close off, um, let's talk a little bit more about um, the the culture at Treehouse. So you have a 32-hour work week, uh, four days, and it it really implies this emphasis on work-life balance. And just speaking personally, I can say that this podcast is is like kind of taking over my life. It's something I've you know been spending <laughs> all my time on, um, and it's enjoyable. But you know, I think kind of probably the same thing happened to you when you started your business. So um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how do you achieve work-life balance, and how and what made you want to enforce that. Sure. So, and the interesting thing is, is that we've worked a four-day work week since 2006. Um, so I did it, you know, my first company started in 2004. Um, it's just me writing code in my, in my bedroom. Um, and then slowly grew. And so we had our first employee in 2006 and we started a four-day work week. And what's interesting is all the way until three weeks ago, we maintained that. And what happened is, uh, is that I realize that we need to go to another level as a company. And um, I, I, I think a good analogy, uh, I don't play sports really, but a good analogy is playing, you know, varsity basketball. So, you know, we have 100 employees. Uh, we're kind of at the varsity level. We, we, we are good enough to win state championship. That's great. Now we want to go to college and we want to win. Um, so in order to do that, you have teams that are bigger and stronger there in order to perform, we have to be able to flex and get better. Mm. Um, and so we're, we're kind of getting our asses handed to us a little bit right now as we're, you know, these bigger companies, they're better capitalized, they're, 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 um, they have more people. So to adapt, we've realized that we need to, um, ship this product that I'm talking about to you very mm. quickly. Yeah. And we, we can't do that in four days a week mm. and we, we do, at least not quickly. Right. And so the reality is the company needs to be able to flex. And so we're in what's called sprint mode right now. And sprint mode is like beast mode. So we basically, everyone's working crazy. You mm. know, uh, we're working Fridays, often Saturdays, Sundays We're you know, within the goal in mind of shipping something. So we say, as soon as we ship it, then we'll go back to our four day week. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a 32 hour work week. It's very much a four day work week, but uh, just because you, you, sometimes you work more, sometimes you work less, you know? So I think companies need the ability to flex now. And this is something I'm learning, you know, um, you can't survive if you don't have the ability to adapt to your competitors and quickly ship something. Um, and so, yeah, we're in the middle of that. And actually, it's exciting. You know, the company is really pulling together and, and unifying. And, and, and I can feel a, a huge swell of excitement inside the company. Um, but it's not sustainable. I mean, you know, we're sprinting. And so yeah. I think we'll get done and then we'll go back to our four-day work week. And, and I, what's ironic is I know that I'll appreciate my Fridays a lot more after this <laughs> and, pro and probably everyone else will too. So I think it actually a healthy, it's better to be actually balanced. So you occasionally sprint, but most of the time you have good work-life integration. What is the moonshot goal for Treehouse? Man, I, I, Treehouse is the most important thing I'll ever do. And so I think the moonshot goal is to be able to take millions of people from zero to job ready and then put them in jobs so that their lives fundamentally change. So, you know, I'll, if I look back at my life and I'm about to die, I, I think uh, if, if we have achieved that at Treehouse, I feel that my life will truly be meaningful. 
Um, and I, I'm sure we'll build a very big, very valuable company in the process, but that doesn't matter. What matters is touching those lives. And, and uh, I'm really, really grateful to do this. I, I tell people I skip to work every day. You know, I just oh, the so Warren fortunate. Buffett quote. Yeah, I, that's where I got it from. I just, I feel so lucky to be doing this. It's just amazing. That's awesome. Well, Ryan Carson, thanks for your time. It's been great talking to you about Treehouse. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the show. 